If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Allergy season, that's all I've got to say here this morning. If you watching on Facebook and saw me touch my eye, it's not because I'm trying to disobey the instructions for coronavirus. It's because I suffer from seasonal allergies, and I am trying to deal with that here this morning. It's good to be here. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. Hope you had a great Easter weekend here. Back at it. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash ToddHuffShow for those who want to watch the program live or on demand so long as Facebook allows that to happen. I want to start. I want to start by saying welcome to the 2020 presidential campaign. Now, this has been building in some sense. This has been the case from candidly the beginning. Everything is political, but the longer that this coronavirus thing goes on, the more that we begin to hear things like what we saw in the New York Times yesterday and, of course, the fallout after President, or excuse me, uh, Dr. Fauci's interview on Jake Tapper's, whatever that show is, whatever. What is the name of Jake Tapper's show? I don't even know. Over the weekend. And I want to talk about that this morning because that's brought uh, forth a lot of controversy, a lot of people saying, sorry, this is (laughs) playing here in the background. But um, this is... I don't want to say it's it's created because this has been here from the beginning. Again, this is this is just the nature of what we're dealing with. It's the nature of how they're going to report on these things. Everything is political. Trump and his administration supposedly now knew about this for a long time, did not act. New York Times has a piece and and this interview with uh, between Jake Tapper, State of the Union, I think. Yes, yeah, State of the Union. Jake Tapper talking to Dr. Fauci. So I want to play this, and this is going to be a couple minutes long, this back and forth between Jake Tapper, CNN, America's most trusted name in news, and Dr. James Fauci, who, of course, is part of the coronavirus task force, one of President Trump's go-to individuals, experts on disease spread, epidemiology, things like coronavirus. And so I want to to play this this morning because this is now the official B-52 
beginning. I guess you could say the unofficial beginning of the 2020 presidential campaign. Of course, we had a primary. We didn't talk about this last week because of Thursday's, uh, well, Wednesday night storms knocking me out of commission for a broadcast on Thursday. But that was also the same day that Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. It's kind of, we think, dropped out of the race. But Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden were, you may have forgotten this, because the primaries effectively vanished from the face of the planet. But Biden and Sanders were engaged in a Democratic primary race. That, of course, is now no longer the case. Joe Biden is the presumptive nominee, which he has been for some time, ever since that decision was made by the powers uh, that, that control, that manipulate, the Democratic Party, once those powers that be decided it was time to coalesce around Joe Biden, everyone followed dutifully, including Pete Boot Edge Edge, including uh, Amy Klobuchar. They quickly and immediately, in the wake of the South Carolina primary, did what they were supposed to do. They got out and they they dropped out of the race and they. They told America, they told the Democrat Party to vote for Joe. Joe's the guy. Forget about his, I don't even want to call him faux pas or his slips of the tongue, his gaffes. We're way past that with Joe Biden. The guy doesn't know who his wife and his girlfriend are, or his wife and his sister. He can't tell them apart, apparently. And that's just one of the many things that Joe, I mean, Joe Biden is, I mean, you talk about, this is an unmitigated Disaster that we're heading into uh, this this presidential primary or presidential election season now, but this is the beginning. Biden's penned an op-ed in the New York Times telling us what he would do, what needs to be done um, to stop coronavirus. Which this is, you know, politically speaking, they smell the proverbial blood in the water here. Donald Trump, coronavirus. Trump didn't act soon enough, quickly enough, decisively enough, didn't trust his instincts. We'll talk about that New York Times piece. But anyway, so in the wake of all that, Jake Tapper brings on Dr. Fauci here. And I want you to hear this exchange. This exchange has led to some some headlines here. The headlines more or less saying that uh, Dr. Fauci believes that had President Trump acted Sooner, more American lives would be saved. I'll let you listen to this and get the context of this. Most of this, even for those of us who are not epidemiologists or scientists, is still uh, still something that falls within the realm of common sense. Common sense. But I want you to listen to this because this, of course, has caused all sorts of pushback, all sorts of fallout, politically speaking. It's a couple of minutes, but I want you to listen to this exchange. Jake Tapper Lead anchor here, CNN, State of the Union, uh, Dr. Dr. Fauci, of course, member of President Trump's coronavirus task force. Here it is. South Korea and the U.S. announced uh, their first confirmed coronavirus cases at, at virtually the same time in late January. If you take a look at where we are right now in the U.S., the U.S. now has 50 times more cases and almost 100 times more fatalities than South Korea uh, meanwhile, while the U.S. makes up only about 4.25% of the world's population, <clears throat> the U.S. has 30% of the world's reported coronavirus cases and almost 20% of the reported coronavirus deaths. 
Sanjay Gupta said, "That's this is all because we got started too late in the U.S. Is that right? Do you agree? You know, it isn't as simple as that, uh, Jake. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, to just say this is all happening because we got started too late. Obviously, if you look, could you have done something a little bit earlier? Would have had an impact, obviously. But where we are right now is the result of a number of factors. The size of the country, the heterogeneity of the country. It's, I think it's a little bit unfair to compare us to South Korea, where they had an outbreak in Daegu and they had the capability of immediately, essentially shutting it off completely in a way that we may not have been able to do in this country. So obviously, I would have been nice if we had a better head start. But I don't think you could say that we are where we are right now because of one factor. It's very complicated, Jake. Okay, so that's the first part of this. It's complicated. We can't point to one specific factor. Saying that we did not act quick, uh, quickly enough and decisively enough is not, you know, you have to go back in time. And Dr. Fauci has said similar things elsewhere as well. You've got to go back at the time that this stuff was happening. And what did we know? Because we didn't know then what we know now. You know the, the old saying. The old saying, if I would have known then what I know now, boy, things would have been different. You know, who amongst us haven't at least thought that at some point in our lives? Regarding any sorts of things, back to when you were in school, back to uh, maybe an early boyfriend, girlfriend, first time job. Boy, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have done X, Y, and Z. If I would have known that this particular sector would open up and create all these sorts of jobs, job opportunities, boy, I would have done this instead of that. I would have taken this, I would have studied this major in school versus this major, I would have done fill in the blank, right? Any sort of uh, number of different things there. So we didn't know. And part of the reason, and this is, of course, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, part of the reason that we did not know this is because we were being deceived and misled by the Chinese, which, by the way, we still are. We'll talk about that as the program comes together today as well. But the Chinese are hiding. They are hiding information from us. Even now, they're scrubbing information. They're scrubbing information from online sources so that we don't know specifics pertaining to the coronavirus. There's a lot of pressure on China right now. Heck, I even saw pressure being exerted onto China by none other than Bill Maher of HBO. Bill Maher, who of course is no friend to Christianity or conservatism, occasionally stumbles along and bumps his head into a truth, and he's actually spot on right about this. Might play that soundbite this morning as well, I have to get the bleep button ready at least at one point for that particular soundbite. But the point is, the point is here that we can't go back and apply <laughs> what we know now to a circumstance, to a situation that we didn't know it then. Now, of course, there were people who were projecting these things. Now, that, that's the other thing that gets me because you've got this. Uh, this White House memo that they've cited from from time to time, we talked about it last week, predicting up to 500,000 deaths, right? 500,000 American deaths that was being 
passed around the White House sometime in in January, right before, by the way, right before the point in time when, and this was uh, written by Navarro, right in, right before that point in time when uh, President Trump banned travel, banned travel from from China, and so, but you've got all this, I don't know, it's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking. And you got a lot of exaggeration here. It's almost being painted today like President Trump and his team knew what was going to happen. In fact, if you didn't know any better, you would think you would think that what happened during Benghazi is what's happening here with President Trump and his response to coronavirus. You would have thought you would have thought that there were people getting on the radios and calling in for help. You would have thought that there would be a team of people that could have put a, put an end, as there was in Benghazi, put an end to the attack, the suffering in Benghazi, ready to go wills up, go in as, as reinforcements to save those that were stuck in Benghazi. You would have thought that's the situation here. If only Trump, if only Trump would have pulled that metaphorical trigger, we wouldn't be dealing with this. You would think, from the way that they talk about this, that President Trump sent one of his administration officials out on the airwaves, out on the airwaves the next day, a few days later, to lie, as Susan Rice did, to lie about what was actually the case in Benghazi. I mean, if you follow the news and the media, and the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, you're under the impression that President Trump and his team knew what was going on but refused to accept it. And that's simply not simply not the case. Simply not the case at all. But this is, again, just the first segment, the first part of this interview or this segment of the interview where James or, uh, Jake Tapper and Dr. James Fauci are going back and forth about what they knew, when they knew it, what the cause of the problems were, why our United States... Uh, cases and deaths, why are they so much bigger than those that are in South Korea? Dr. Fauci trying to explain some of that. And so he says some things here that people um, are exaggerating and I think taking out of context, uh, context a bit. But I think for those who listen objectively, what, he say, what, he, what he's saying is actually quite a bit aligned with, with common sense. So we'll play the rest of this uh, when we get back, but I've got to take a time out. Welcome, by the way, to the 2020 presidential campaign and this at least from a campaign's perspective from a campaigning perspective this is a pure dream for the democrat party they can campaign against trump by having biden write op-eds of course someone on biden's team's writing this they're not letting biden anywhere near a keyboard uh, or a pen and a paper to write down his thoughts but they've got a team of people to respond to this they don't have to put biden in front of the cameras they can attack trump incessantly here using the media, using exaggeration, using uh, kind of a false narrative, kind of uh, mischaracterizing what Dr. Fauci says here to campaign against Trump, all while not even having to trot their candidate in front of the camera, which they have to be happy about that. Again, not suggesting they're happy about coronavirus, just this is a consequence. This is a, this is a, a situation where they're happy to keep their candidate off camera and president trump in the metaphorical crosshairs here so i've got to take a time out more on this when we get back you are listening to the home of conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute 
Welcome back. So we've been listening to Dr. Fauci talk with Jake Tapper. Of course, this is something that has led to all sorts of fallout. In fact, Trump retweeted last night. He retweeted a tweet. Now listen to me carefully. He did not retweet using the hashtag Fire Fauci. He retweeted a tweet that used the hashtag Fire I think it's Fire Fauci. So anyway, all be all in response in response to this, the the hashtag uh at least from the headlines because I think if you listen to what he's saying, I don't feel like he's saying anything differently, but he said it in such a way that again, again they 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 use it to further the narrative that this is somehow Trump's fault. And that's why we've entered into the 2020 campaign officially here. So now I want to continue, continue sharing a bit of this conversation between Dr. James Fauci and Jake Tapper, CNN. They continue, they continue their dialogue here. The New York Times reported yesterday that that you and other top officials wanted to recommend social and physical distancing guidelines to President Trump as far back as the third week of February, uh, but the uh, administration didn't announce such guidelines to the American public until March 16th, almost a month later. Why? You know, Jake, as I've said many times, we look at it from a pure health standpoint. We make a recommendation. Often the recommendation is taken. Sometimes it's not. But we, it is what it is. We are where we are right now. Do you think lives could have been saved uh, if social distancing, physical distancing, stay-at-home measures had started third week of February instead of mid-March? You know, Jake, again, it's the what would have, what could have. It's very difficult to go back and say that. I mean, obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. Obviously, no one is going to deny that. But what goes into those kinds of decisions is is complicated. But you're right. I mean, obviously, if we had right from the very beginning shut everything down, it may have been a little bit different. But there was a lot of pushback about shutting things down back then. Do you think it will be safe in November for voters to physically? I don't want to talk about voters yet. I, I thought there was one more part of that I wanted to play. So but you heard what he said here. Yes, of course. You're right. If we would have shut everything down, then you could make a logical case that lives would have been would have been saved. That's a possibility. Now, of course, that's the case. But it seems as though Jake Tapper and the rest of the media forget a. To me, there are there are so many things here that need to be pointed out. Number one, or a, if you prefer. (laughs) Either way, the first thing is the projections. Just just look at what's happened with the projections that we've seen. Once they have known the course of action taken by this particular government and the American people, these modelers, these scientists predicted deaths up to 240,000 people. Now, of course, a circumstance can arise to where that may be the case. I'm not dancing with glee saying that we have somehow come out of this um, you know, unscathed. That's not what I'm saying at all. The United States has lost over, is it 21,000 people now uh, to coronavirus, according to the 
accounts that I've seen as of this morning. But um, first of all, the modelers have been really wrong in this situation. We now see that they've brought the estimates down 60,000, even under 50,000, I guess, uh, in, in, in some projections. And so that, first and foremost, needs to be pointed out. So the models at the beginning, and I've, I've cited these on here. I've cited these on here. You saw models that predicted 214 million Americans would contract the coronavirus, and there would be millions upon millions of deaths. That was the projection. So even even the Navarro memo, which is ironic because they criticized this guy one day for taking on Fauci. The next day, literally the next day, they found out that this guy wrote a memo, a memo basically that could have been used by Trump, uh, that, or I guess that could be used to blame Trump for not acting quicker to stop coronavirus in the United States or to take action, strong action, shutting things down, whatever. The next day they find that out. They think this, this guy's a genius. This guy, why weren't people listening to him? Literally 24 hours earlier, they were mocking the guy because he's not a scientist. He's a social scientist. How's he supposed to keep up with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birch when this guy's just a social scientist? They make, make fun of him. They they mock him. They laugh at him. Then they find out he writes this memo. Now suddenly this guy's got something to say. This guy needs to be listened to. This guy, why wasn't Trump listening to Navarro? Navarro was trying to sound the alarm. Well, by your own definition, media, Trump shouldn't have been listening to him because he wasn't a medical scientist. Why would you take projections of the worst case scenario of coronavirus from someone who's not a social scientist. They don't care. They don't care about being logically consistent. They don't care about any of that. All they care about is the narrative, and there's a guy that they think could further that narrative against Trump, so why not use him? But of course, of course, number one, the models were wrong, but of course, if we shut everything down, then communicable diseases would, of course, be reduced. So I guess in this ex- in this context... Why didn't we shut down the country for any number of other things that's plagued this country over our history? Maybe something just maybe from the flu. Why why don't we shut down every year for the flu? We know that tens of thousands of people typically die of the flu each and every year. Why do we not shut it down for that? See, and that again, I'm not listen, I'm not comparing mortality rates or anything. I'm just saying I'm simply saying that if the, the, the goal is to have zero, zero infections, zero whatever, then why don't we shut that down? If the goal is to have, and again, I know that this can come across harshly. Uh, that's not my intent at all. Again, as I've said before, each and every one of the people who contract, who have succumbed to this disease, they are made in the image of God. These folks have uh, families. They have parents, they may have spouses, they may have children. These people are created in the image of God. The God of this universe, of course, we talked about uh, this last week with Easter, but yesterday, Easter Sunday, is the day that God, that Jesus rose from the dead for all people, all people who want to be um, reunited with him. The, the, the cost, God calculated the cost and thought that whoever, each and every person was worth coming to this planet 
and sacrificing and dying for. And then, of course, ultimately resurrecting from the grave for. And so I'm not minimizing. I'm just, for the sake of efficiency, we have to talk about numbers here. But if the, if the, if the objective is to have zero, have zero, and if there's anything more than zero, Trump is somehow responsible, then we should be doing all sorts of things. We should be shutting down all restaurants because people have certainly died of something in a restaurant, or we should be shutting down highways and automobiles because of the number of deaths that we see from that. It's, it's, about, it's about managing the risk. It's about preventing, in this case, widespread outbreaks in this country of coronavirus. And to say, to say that President Trump didn't act quickly enough, as Tapper was so eagerly wanting Fauci to say, Fauci says, of course, that if we acted sooner, other things, you know, we, it would have prevented at some point, logically, some of this from happening. But again, you have to, you have to ask the question, what, what were the modelers telling him at the beginning? Chances are those numbers were way off because the numbers that we've been told have been way off from the beginning. Even once they understood social distancing and what states were doing, the numbers have still been consistently off. They've been revised down several times now. And so you're trying to balance that with the fact that a little detail that seems to get overlooked many, uh, many days is that this is a free nation. So the nation that respects liberty, the right of the individual, the right of the states, none of these things that have been done as far as shutting down businesses have come from President Trump, these things have come from governors. President Trump, even though it's been teased a couple of times, has never uh, never set some sort of a national stay-at-home order, some sort of a national order for businesses to lock down. That's not been the case. They've given the social distancing guidelines and so forth, but they've not made any proclamation like that. Those sorts of things are coming from our state's governors. So again, how in the world, how in the world are they blaming Trump for this when he acted too early, too harshly. He was a xenophobe when he shut down travel from China, but suddenly he didn't act quickly enough on taking bigger actions, bigger actions, even though one can maintain he's not taking any official action to stop anything other than give the guidelines, other than tell Americans what they needed to do to protect themselves with the help and direction of scientists like Dr. Burke and Dr. Fauci. Anyway, long in this segment. But this is, this is the, the hope here is to turn this into the narrative. This is the beginning of the 2020 campaign right here before our eyes, and the Democrats don't even have to trot their own candidate out, thankfully, in their mind, because he's going to say something stupid. He's going to try to sniff somebody's hair. He's going to call his wife his sister, all sorts of things like that. So welcome to the 2020 campaign. I've got to take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. I want to remind you, remind you that we are in the midst of a campaign to help Shepherd community and the individuals they serve on the near east side of Indianapolis. They're trying to meet the physical, spiritual, emotional, and academic needs of our neighbors and break the cycle of poverty in the near east side of Indianapolis. One 
child at a time. You can donate $40, $40 to support Shepherd Community. You can do- donate whatever amount you uh, desire. All you have to do is go to shepherdcommunity.org, shepherdcommunity.org slash 40 days to help uh, participate in the 40 days with the Todd Huff Show, Shepherd Community, and all the good work that they do here in the Indianapolis area. Check that out, shepherdcommunity.org slash 40 days. So we've got Fauci out there. Then we've got we've, we've got all the fallout from this. You've got, I mean, th- there's too many things to count as far as the fallout goes with this particular uh, statement, right? This, this, uh, this uh, couple of statements or responses to questions from Jake Tapper. There's a lot, a lot in here. They want you to take from this that President Trump could have saved lives had he acted sooner. And of course, of course he, uh, that, that is probably the case, probably the case but had we taken actions even sooner had we eliminated let's say that well, what's what's the cost of liberty by the way what's the cost of liberty how many people um, would not succumb to other things if they weren't free to i don't know to eat what they want to drive what they want uh, to smoke to fill in the blank to choose not to exercise how many people's lives could be saved if we only didn't allow them to make those choices as we're trying to take away other choices now? And again, I'm not suggesting I – think, I think William Barr has this correct. I saw a snippet of what he said on Laura Ingram's program. You know, we have to think about – we have to think about liberty here. We got to think about – uh, you know this this concept that if in, in crisis certain things can be done temporarily as an emergency to pre or in an emergency to prevent the situation from getting worse from getting larger from infecting other people We're trying to keep that under control that's certainly acceptable and understandable the problem is at some point at some point once we get a grip on what we're dealing with here you have to begin to let people make their own decisions and live their own lives. And that's the point where we are now. That's the point where we are now. And that fortunately has been something that's been front and center in the administration's mind and Trump's mind from the beginning. And that's 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 a good thing. That's a good thing. It's maybe one of the reasons why they, they hesitated to take drastic actions at the beginning. Number one, they weren't sure on the veracity of what they were being told. Because these estimates, as they have been from the beginning, these estimates have been higher than reality has led us uh, to see that they are. I remember talking about this. Uh, I remember talking about this as well, just to talk about perspective early on as to what we were what we were dealing with. Of course, we're still learning what we're dealing with. We're still working towards treatments. We're still working towards uh, inoculation vaccines we're still working towards those things and they think that trump had the information up front and they want you to believe this they want me to believe this they want people in swing states to believe this that trump had the information that would have saved lives and he didn't act because of because of what that's the question because of what because he wanted to keep the economy open for a couple more weeks knowing that it would crash anyway i mean what's what's the point of this 
um, because he wanted to try to enrich his friends. I mean, he wasn't the one, by the way, selling all the stock that we saw other people doing in Congress. Republicans and Democrats alike were selling selling stock. Still have to see what comes of that, where we go with that. But, I mean, what's again, the idea is here, we're in the campaign, we have to somehow tie this to Trump. This is all about politics at this point. The way... I mean, if you look at the gradual evolution of this, we've we've gone from reporting facts or I don't know how much they actually report facts, reporting best guesses from scientists at the beginning. How does this transmit? How do we get this? How do we mitigate this? How do we protect ourselves from it? Do we wear masks? Do we go to the grocery store? Do we wash our hands? Do we clean off our groceries? Do we whatever? Right, a lot of that's been happening. A lot of Q and A with with doctors over coronavirus. How do I get it? How do I treat myself? Does hydroxychloroquine work? If taken with Z pack, all these things. Right, and then of course the political fallout of each of those things along the way. But the longer this thing has gone on, the more it has been focused on the political aspects. The more it's been, the more it's been blamed on President Trump. And I notice notice that the governors are never never responsible of course a lot of people believe that uh, the the we have a, a tiered government we got the federal government which is in charge of everything and then you've got the subordinates as the states and that is not again how this country was established it's not a proper understanding of, of of federalism it's not a proper understanding of the role of states we are the united states of america that is our name and that name came from it came from the reality that we are a union of of states that still maintain their autonomy. They've given certain responsibilities over to the federal government, but not all responsibilities, not total control over them. It's not just the federal government's job to make sure there's enough ventilators. What about governors? What about hospitals? What about other folks who should be planning and thinking about these things? Not to say that the federal government does not have any role not to say that the federal government shouldn't be involved in something that is an epidemic, a health pandemic across the United States. It's certainly one of the things that the federal government should have a hand in. But we don't live in a dictatorship. We don't live in a situation where governments can simply do whatever they want without any repercussions, without having to think about the liberties and the choices of individual people. Maybe, possibly, for a season, for a short time. When there's clear, short-term, identifiable steps and actions that need to be taken for the overall protection of the of the public health, but this does not turn into a carte blanche sort of capability where you can do these things, take these drastic steps inevitably, and tell people just to sit at home and do nothing when they have realities to meet and, and mouths to feed and mortgages and rents to pay and utilities to pay. And businesses to sit there and wait, wait until this is over. We don't know if it'll be May 1st, June 1st, July 1st, 2021. They really haven't given us much of any information. And that's, I think we're about to see a change in that. I think that's what all this fighting and and positioning is about here um, over the weekend and late last week. I think it's about trying to control that narrative. I can take a break here, but it's about trying to control that narrative as we move into 
discussions about what it looks like to return to quote-unquote normal, whatever that means. That's what we're working on next. And I think we're going to begin to see some framework come out about that over the next couple of weeks here. Anyway, got to take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Welcome back. I was just trying to talk to me with my headphones on. Anyway, um, look, I want to talk about where this is headed. I want to talk about, I mentioned before the break, this is this is headed towards some sort of a resolution. Now, I don't want to, I want you to hear me out. I'm not saying that that's going to happen Tomorrow, I'm not even saying that's going to happen May 1st, but we're going to begin to see, I do believe this, we're going to begin to see the framework of this fall into place. What this looks like, how we know, what are the factors, what, you know, what's the, the thought process. That could come out this week or next week, but you're going to begin to see some of this fall into place. You're going to begin to see some of this flushed out. You're going to begin to see some shape, some shape to what it's going to look like or the process by which we get out of here. Maybe to some degree a timetable. I don't know if you'll see a timetable so much as you will see some key indicators that you know we know that we've arrived at that particular point in the process. Maybe it's a checklist. Maybe it's a road, a roadmap. Maybe it's another uh, single sheet, kind of like the uh, coronavirus, what do they call those? The tips, what do they call those things that Pence always holds up? Anyway, the, the guidelines, there we go, the guidelines and recommendations. We'll see something like this. We'll see something like this, I think. Maybe not a sheet, but it could be. It could be a sheet, but it's some sort of a framework, a step-by-step. What does this look like? Where are we going? Because, folks, this is, at some point... I jotted this down as I was thinking this morning. At some point, we have <clears throat> we have to at least begin. We have to at least begin to focus some of our conversation on what will happen, on what will happen economically, and not simply. And again, I'm not downplaying this, but not simply what may happen. What may happen uh, with the coronavirus? Um, on their projections and predictions if we reopen. That's that's the big thing now. If we reopen, they're going to see a surge um, of cases, which of course could be could be true. We want to minimize that. But we we know what will happen. My, uh, Oz just pointed out, I didn't see this, Disney's laying off or furloughing 43,000 or some such employees. Big deal. Other companies are going to follow suit. We got a problem here, got to deal with this can't hide our head in the sand forever on the economic side of this this is a serious part of the process of the of the situation and it has to be dealt with appropriately gotta take a time out you're listening to conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute (laughs) 
So next hour, and by the way, you can listen to hour two of the program for free. All you have to do is a couple of things. Well, one of a couple of things. Number one, you can watch the program on Facebook, which we're doing temporarily, facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show, or, or you can go to toddhuffshow.com slash subscribe. Subscribe to our free email newsletter, Semi-Sweet Morsels of Truth. Subscribe to that. You'll get a link uh, sent to you on how you can take advantage of a free 30-day membership. There's no credit card required, anything like that. It's truly a free 30-day membership to Total Access, which allows you to have digital access to hour number two of this program. It's typically 25 bucks a year. Still is 25 bucks a year for those who want to continue their membership, but the first 30 days you get for free. So you can do that. You can also text. You can text the word Huff to 31996. That'll get you uh, signed up for the newsletter as well, and you'll get your uh, your, your free link. But nonetheless, we're going to talk next hour about the economics of this. We're going to talk about uh, the process of getting out of this, not just what Fauci was saying. We're going to talk about what happens next in this particular process. So that being said, the music is telling me it's time to wrap up hour number one. Guys, as always, I appreciate you listening. See you here in a minute. SDG. Take care. <laughs> 